Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Come and Talk It with your host, Michael Cargill, brought to you by Texas Law Shield. Over the last decade, Michael has championed and supported the rights of law-abiding Texans to own and use firearms. He is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks, a veteran of the United States Army, and has achieved national exposure in such prestigious media outlets such as Forbes Magazine, Fox Business News, CNN Money, AOL, BBC World News, Huffington Post, and the New York Times. Cargill vigorously defends lawful gun ownership in this country without regard to party politics. And now, here's Michael Cargill. Good day, Austin, Texas, the live music capital of the world. Let's praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. Today's show, we're going to talk about, you know what? We're going to talk with Evan Walker. He's the principal attorney with Texas U.S. Law Shield. We're going to talk with Edwin about some of the new gun laws that have passed in the state of Texas. Also, this you know, in this past legislative session. Also, we're going to talk with Wes Verdell. Wes is with GOA. We're going to talk with Wes, uh, and he's going to join us on the talk show today to talk about past legislative session as well, and anything that you know, anything else that Wes wants to talk about. We're going to talk about that. But you know, first, the brace ban. That's right. This is what we've all been waiting for. May 31st, the brace ban, the, I guess the time frame from January 31st to May 31st, uh, you had until that time frame to actually register, you know, process the paperwork, submit your paperwork, your, your Form 4, uh, Form 2, Form 1, whatever you're going to do. You had until May 31st to submit your paperwork to actually get your tax stamp for your SBR for the brace. And if you're not in one of those three organizations or part of those three lawsuits or whatever it is, then you may be in a little trouble. Let's talk about the brace ban. So three injunctions now block the ATF's pistol brace ban protecting members of three gun rights organizations. So last week, the Fifth Circuit, Judge Drew Tipton issued an injunction blocking the ATF enforcement of its pistol brace rule that goes into effect, that actually went into effect on May 31st, you know, June 1st. As with an earlier Fifth Circuit ruling in Mock versus Garland, blocking enforcement against Firearms Policy Coalition members, Judge Tipton's order in Texas versus the ATF applies to the named plaintiffs in the lawsuit. In this case, that includes all employees of the state of Texas, 
and current members of Gun Owners of America. So, GOA's Eric Pratt had this to say about the lawsuit. This assault on millions of Americans was just the latest example of President Biden trying to weaponize the DOJ against law-abiding gun owners. And we doubt it will be the last. We are incredibly grateful to Judge Tipton for hearing the pleas of our members who were facing serious prosecution simple for owning a piece of plastic, you know, all because of an arbitrary reclassification by the ATF the Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, GOA, Gun Owners of America, and our millions of members nationwide will continue to fight back against this rogue anti-gun administration at every turn in defense of our rights. Now, Tipton's order followed another injunction issued yesterday in the case of SAF versus ATF, a classification issued at the request of the Second Amendment Foundation, means that all members of the Second Amendment Foundation are covered under the under that order blocking the ATF enforcement. So if you're a member of a GOA, you're a member of, of the Second Amendment Foundation, at the time that this lawsuit was filed, then you're actually covered. I'm not an attorney, but we're going to talk to an attorney. Here's a statement from the Second Amendment Foundation. A federal judge has clarified the scope of an injunction in the Second Amendment Foundation challenge to the Biden administration's new arm brace rule. The case is known as the Second Amendment Foundation at Al versus ATF at Al. Uh, SAF is joined in the case of by Rainier Arms, LLC, and two private citizens, Samuel Wally and William Green. They are represented by attorney Chad Flores at Flores Law in Houston, Texas. In her prior order granting the preliminary injunction, U.S. District Judge Jan Boyer wrote, the court grants in part the motion and issue a preliminary injunction as the plaintiffs in this case only, leaving a question as to whether the injunction applied to members of the Second Amendment Foundation late yesterday. And this is going to be last week. Second Amendment Foundation filed a motion to clarify the scope of the injunction. And then last week, uh, Judge Bold clarified that prior order with a new order in a docket entry, which stated, the court confirms that its preliminary injunction order applies to both the Second Amendment Foundation Incorporated and its members. Now, the Second Amendment Foundation has received numerous inquiries uh, from individuals as to whether the injunction covered their members, said the SAF executive director. And their attorney has attempted to reach an understanding with the government as to the scope of the injunction and coverage of its members. When it became apparent that the parties were not seeing eye to eye in the matter, despite the Fifth Circuit's clarification in another, another case in the exact point, they asked the court for clarification. And they were pleased to see that Judge Boyle agrees with their interpretation and that their members are indeed protected under this injunction. Now, the Second Amendment Foundation offers several different tiers of membership, which are available at their website. So you may want to join the Second Amendment Foundation if you want to be covered under the lawsuit. Now, the debate is, you know, is it was it is this something that was done at the date that the lawsuit was filed or is it after the lawsuits filed? Is it you know, you can you become a member today? You know, we're going to find out, you know, some different interpretations of this and see if we can get some clarification 
or interpretation of, you know, what this means from uh, Edwin Walker, who's the principal attorney of Texas U.S. Law Shield. Going to find out about that. We're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about some current events. We're going to talk about, we're going to talk with Wes Verdell with GOA, the Gun Owners of America. Find out how their lawsuit's going, what they think about their lawsuit, how this is going to go to the Supreme Court. I'll tell you this little secret, this little tidbit. When a judge gives an injunction, that's most likely that the fact that they think that that case is going to win in the next court. And so that's why they're granting injunctions. Eh, it's also a little ploy because it doesn't always work. You know, sometimes, you know, you look at the bump stock case. There's an injunction in that bump stock case. Doesn't mean that the U.S. Supreme Court is going to rule in that favor. You know, it just means that, you know, that particular judge, you know, is holding out. He's, you know, he's holding firm on his his beliefs. So we'll find out what the, the next court rules. We'll find out as these courses reach a little higher, you know, court. But I'll tell you this. If you're not one of those, um, in a, a part of one of those organizations, uh, Guns of America, you're not part of the, one of the others, you know, organizations that are out there, then you may want to lawyer up. If you have not, you know, done your paperwork, your form one, you know, if you're an FFL dealer, your form two, you know, uh, if you haven't done your paperwork to the ATF, you may want to lawyer up because if you don't, you may be in trouble. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Folks, this is Doug Man Jones. <laughs> and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking about the brace ban. It went into effect on May 30. Well, actually, January 31st is when the brace ban went into effect. And you actually had until May 31st to file your paperwork, whether it's a Form 1, your dealer, Form 2. You had until May 31st to do that. And if you didn't do that on May 31st, guess what? Starting June 1st, the ATF said they're going to start, you know, enforcement. And so, and also it, you know, you no longer, 
get the $200 tax stamp fee waived. Starting June 1st, June 1st, you have to pay your $200 tax stamp fee. And it's a possibility if you're caught with it, you're going to be charged with a felony. So let's bring to the conversation Edwin Walker with Texas U.S. Law Shield. Edwin, welcome to Come and Talk, sir. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, sir. So what's your take on this, Edwin? Well, actually, you know, I, it's kind of interesting. It really is unprecedented. I guess, you know, the only thing we'd have to compare it to is the original 1968 amnesty, um, which, you know, I was around, but I was uh, I was too young to be engaging in the uh, uh, firearms work in 1968. So I don't really have any firsthand knowledge of what happened then. But what's interesting is that I believe I saw a figure where the ATF has said that about a quarter of a million, 250,000 uh, firearms had been registered or in the process of being registered under this, uh, which is which is a, a fraction, a hyper fraction of the number of firearms that are out there that qualify for registration. Um, I see all estimates anywhere from 10 to 30 million possible firearms with stabilizing braces. And so uh, there's going to be a lot of, if the ATF is, is sincere about their enforcement, um, they're either going to have to do a lot of violation of the Fourth and Fifth Amendments, uh, or they're going to have to, or people are just going to have to be really, really reckless in the way that they uh, interact uh, on social media, in person, at the range, things like this. So, so I don't know that enforcement's going to be a big issue. And while it is important to be a member of these organizations, and I think that just in general, everybody should be a member of, you know, uh, whatever gun, multiple gun organizations they want to support the se- work of the Second Amendment, the Second Amendment Foundation, Gun Owners of America, of course, Fire and Policy Coalition, um, all of those, you, you should always be a member. But as far as the actual rulings, um, you were, your analysis is pretty correct in that I believe if we were to take a very technical, hyper-technical rule, uh, look, analysis at these rulings, it really does only apply to plaintiffs. And uh, obviously, I think that, that legally, the, the people who have the most legal, um, the best legal argument are people who were members of those plaintiff organizations at the time the lawsuit was filed. Mm. So those people are going to be, quote unquote, protected for now. However, I see it as a legal impracticability, if not a legal impossibility, for the federal government to actually go after somebody who uh, is in possession of one of these braces before these cases are legally resolved. Wow. And that's crazy. Only 250,000 uh, the brace, uh, the pistol braces were actually registered as SBRs. Only 250,000. That's less than 1%. Less than 1% of the of the the braces that were actually put in production. That's insane. Yeah. And so a lot of people, I'm guessing a lot of people are took the attitude of just wait and see. Um, because uh, you know, you don't want to register too early, uh, you know, because now the government, you know, if this turns out to be a complete overreach, uh, I don't know that the government's going to actually destroy the records. They should, and they probably will be ordered to, but I don't know if they will actually. 
uh, destroy the records of people who uh, volunteered this information to say, hey, I own one of these firearms. Uh, and also, since one of the options, as opposed to the bump stock, you know, comparing it to the bump stock, they, you know, they actually did prohibit the piece of, you know, polymer that made up the bump stock. Uh, but unlike that, the, the actual brace or blade is not a prohibited item in and of itself. And so I'm sure many people just took the route that, uh, you know, I'll get my Allen wrench out and I'll separate the two and <laughs> I'll be fine until this all works out. Yeah, I, I think it's amazing. Ninety per, not, That means 99% plus 99% Americans are like F you to the, uh, to the ATF. Yeah, they're like, hey, we're not going to comply with this. This is, man, this is unprecedented. Yeah, and I think we all maybe know some people who are in that group. So, uh, you know, it's just uh, it's just going to take a wait and see because I think that a lot of folks were rightfully uh, em emboldened by you know the de your the, you know, the decision in your bump stock case, and I think that this is even more tenuous than that was legally. How, how do you think the bump stock case is going to affect this? Well, because it, it deals with a lot of the same issues, you know, uh, ATF reinterpreting things, um, the scope of their authority, uh, you know, especially it's very analogous. I mean, the bump stock was legal for, you know, over 10 years, suddenly got declared illegal, arm brace declared legal for over 10 years, suddenly declared uh, illegal. Uh, it, it's following a very similar path, using the administrative agency authority to uh, redefine and make new rulings uh, versus, you know, what has ha what has been. So, uh, so like I said, I, I think that, and also we're seeing, you know, we're seeing so many other restrictive uh, Second Amendment uh, violations fall across the country. Uh, you know that that I think I think a lot of people are. Uh, of the attitude that there's no way this can stand. Um, and this ought to be one of the things that's very interesting. I don't know if your listeners or if you've been uh, watching the ATF hearings uh, in the in the House of Representatives. Uh, of course, hearings that we never, ever would have gotten if the Democrats would have stayed in control of the House of Representatives. <laughs> uh, but those ATF hearings on the on the stabilizing prices are fantastic. They really are. I mean, the way that some of those reps just go after uh, the ATF is, I, I think it's it's I think it's a great thing. Um, because number one, I don't know that prior to this, many reps were that interested in the, in the, you know, the, the NFA, the ATF, the NFA, what is a short barrel rifle? What isn't, why is it even regulated in the first place? How does a stabilizing braces brace work? I would have guessed that prior to, you know, two years ago, there were, you know, a, just a handful of congressmen that this was interesting to. Uh, but now I, I, it's it's right out there. It's it's right out there on YouTube for anybody who wants to watch it, and who, who anybody who wants to watch, you know, uh, Matt Gates and Chip Roy and mm -hmm. and and Mace and uh, um, uh, Jim Jordan really hold the ATF's feet to the fire on this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, it, it's 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 amazing. It's 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 exciting to. You. To sit and watch Congress actually bring up, you know, my case, the Cargill v. Garland case, uh, it, it's chilling. You know, I'm just uh, amazed how this case is moving up the 
up the ladder there. And I'm hoping, praying that this U.S. Supreme Court takes up this case and actually hears this case, because I think I think it will actually help the brace ban in, in shutting things down and set precedents. Oh, yeah. And then you'll be you'll have your name mentioned in the same breath as Heller and McDonald and New York State Rifle Pistol Association, Cargill. That's got to be that, that's that's uh, that, that's got to be a real uh, a real compliment to your uh, to your legacy. Oh, yeah, that'd be awesome, man. Thank you, Edwin. And so let's change gears a little bit. Edwin. let's talk about the Texas legislature. Uh, so, you know. Normally, we have a lot of gun bills to talk about. We have major changes actually happen in Texas legislature. But this year, mum's the word. Not a whole bunch. And, you know, I actually, well, I actually met with some legislatures and they were saying, hey, Michael, this is not the year we want to bring up a gun bill. Because if we bring up a gun bill, it can actually turn into an, a, a pro-gun bill, turn into an anti-gun bill. So there's like, no, we don't want to bring those up. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you just had to look at the numbers. Um, I believe that we, you know, at our office at Walker and Taylor, uh, we traced, uh, we were watching uh, almost 200 bills. Uh, the overwhelming majority, like a, about a 10 to 1 ratio, were anti-gun bills. Uh, the anti-gun bills were the only ones that got any publicity, specifically with regard to the the raise the age to purchase a rifle mm. gun bill due to its ties to um, the federal law. due to its ties to, to Uvalde. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it really was, you know, there, there it, it was the fact that none of those anti-gun bills passed and that there were a few pro gun bills that kind of, uh, I won't say that they snuck through, uh, but they were, I think they were just not as high profile because, the, because they dealt with very, very hyper technical issues. Uh, but they're other, but they're otherwise really good bills. Um, I think it's a good thing. And we're going to see, I mean, the, the anti-gun people were such, I mean, they just, they're, they're, they're shameless in mm. their exploitation of the Uvalde tragedy. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm thinking in particular, um, anybody who's interested, they should go to the, if they want to, I guess if they want to be infuriated, right, right. Um, which, you know, there's, it's, it's the reason that people like bitter foods. They right, want we, to be infuriated. All right, and and we, so if you want to be, we come back from the break. Infuriated. I'm gonna let you finish that okay. thought there, you know, because I, I'm. I want to know if you know the 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 lawsuit that actually won last year. That case is it going to have anything to do with the uh, the 21, 18, 19, 20 year olds, you know, and getting the license to carry handgun. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots 
of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. We're talking with Edwin Walker. He's a principal attorney with Texas and U.S. Law Shield. And we're talking about the Texas legislature. We're talking about, you know, what bills have passed, you know, any pro-gun bills, anti-gun bills. And you know what? Normally we're talking about a lot of pro-gun bills that have actually passed. But this session, not so. Not a whole bunch has changed in the Texas legislature. I was actually shocked and surprised. You know, I could be wrong, and I'm going to ask Edwin about this. You know, I thought that the legislature would actually address the fact that there was a court case last year where a group of 18 to 20-year-olds brought a case against the state of Texas and said, hey, we should be able to carry a handgun in Texas. We should lower the age limit from 21 to 18. And the fact that I don't think I could be wrong, you know, I don't think the Texas legislature addressed this. I don't think they changed the age limit down to 18. I think they left it at 21 in the law books. Because some police departments have come out and they said, hey, hey, you know, if someone's 18 to 20 and we catch them with a handgun and they're about the public, we may arrest them, fingerprint them, book them, spend that in jail, bail themselves out of jail, and that they pay an attorney to work this case through. And they could pay anywhere from two grand to, man, $18,000 to get this case dropped or dismissed. So unless they get their Texas license to carry handgun, because the state of Texas... DPS, they're issuing licenses to people that apply for the license to carry handgun at 18. But, some, you know, and all police departments are recognizing uh, the license to carry handguns. You get your LTC, you're 18, 19, and 20 years old. You can carry your handgun in Texas at 18, 19, and 20 with a Texas license to carry handgun and don't have to worry about the police departments arresting you. So, Edwin, you know, what are your thoughts on this stuff? Uh, yeah, it's it's that's a great point, and I hope your classes are filled with 18, 19, 20 year olds getting their license. Um, I know a good friend of mine; his uh, nineteen year old son um, ran out, got his license. Me is very proud of it. Uh, but yeah, you're right because the police, uh, the police have got a long history. Police and DAs have a long history um, on a lot of uh, very hot button issues of going out and, and while even the legislature may say something um, or, or the courts will say something and the, the, the police will be just defiant about it and their attitudes are, well, uh, you know, yeah, you may, it's the old, you may beat the rap, but you're not going to beat the ride argument is we're going to make it so traumatic for you to engage in this lawful behavior that, you know, until we're explicitly told to stop, uh, then we're going to, you know, we're going to keep doing it. And that's because of, you know, qualified immunity. Because basically the standard is if they have a reasonable basis to believe that they're not violating somebody's civil rights, unless they, unless the person can actually show the police only did this to violate my civil rights, uh, then they're going to get away with it. They can act with impunity. Mm. Um, so, yeah, the only true protection that a that a 18, 19, 20-year-old has right now, the only true protection of uh, engaging in their right to carry a, a handgun is to go get themselves an LTC. So we fully support them doing that. Yeah. Uh, but that's really where it's kind of interesting because on both sides, this uh, this group, this 18, 19, 20-year-old group, 
is where it's it's kind of where the battle is now. Um, you know, we see it in the fact that uh, two weeks ago, a, uh, a a federal district court in Virginia um, struck down the the uh, prohibition against selling a handgun to an 18, 19, 20 year old. Uh, we see it in the fact that. Uh, the, the, the crown jewel or the primary legislative objective of the anti-gun folks this Texas session was to uh, get the age to purchase a semi-automatic rifle raised to 21 years old, thus depriving 18, 19, 20-year-olds of the ability to purchase. Even though they don't have this ability under federal law, they're going to take it away. They're going to make state law more restrictive. Mm. Uh, so it is kind of interesting that it's this, it's this 18, 19, 20-year-old uh, demographic where we're seeing these gunfights uh, now play out. Mm. Mm. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You know, and, and, you know, I had some, you know, a bunch of 18, 19 year olds actually come to class. You know, I had 18 year olds that were actually in high school attend the life scary handgun course. And it made me think, you know, Edwin, that, you know, the federal law, you know, they passed the federal law last year where they actually decided to delay transactions in the gun store for people that are 18 to 20 that were purchasing a rifle or shotgun because that's all they can buy is a rifle or shotgun. Get buy a handgun. And so they delayed their transactions automatically. And so it made me think, and they're like, hey, well, Michael, what if I get my LTC, my life carry handgun, can I bypass the 18 to 20-year-old thing? And I don't see anything that says they can't. Yeah, that is a very interesting conundrum that we have found ourselves in, is that uh, the, the federal government, um, unlike the state-proposed uh, law, uh, it provided just a delay, and the reason for the delay was the background check. Uh, however, since the Texas LTC is used as a substitute for the background check, does the delay with 18, 19, 20-year-olds have any point whatsoever? And so is it now uh, legal and reasonable to, uh, you know, whenever your 19-year-old comes in your shop with your LTC, they want to purchase a semi-automatic a rifle that they get to walk out of the store with it or is the FFL still obliged under the terms of its license to hold that uh, for the delay period even though the background check is not even being run on this person because of their LTC yeah and I, I don't think they are I, th I think with the LTC you can bypass the background check I, I that is that is a very plausible, supportable position. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and it's funny, you know, because you're you're 18, you can be in high school, and also there's a federal law that says you're not supposed to be within a thousand feet of a school with any weapons at all. It's a no gun zone, no weapon zone. And so I'm thinking, man, if I'm 18, I'm in high school, I uh, I get my license to carry handgun. I, I can actually bypass that federal law that says I'm not supposed to be in a thousand feet of school. I can actually have a, a handgun, you know, in my vehicle in the parking lot of the school. Only thing I have to worry about is if the school has some type of rule to suspend or expel me as a student from the school. Yeah. So it's 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 gonna be interesting. I, I'm very interested in this Virginia case. Because the case, and, and the case name, for those of you who might be interested in looking it up, is uh, 
Hold on there, Edwin. Hold on one sec. Hold on. We lost you there for one quick second. We'll get you back here. See if we can get you back here in a second. But we're talking with Edwin Walker. He's a principal attorney with Texas U.S. Law Shield. And we're talking about the federal law that passed last year that automatically delayed anyone who's 18 to 20 uh, from being able to purchase a firearm, basically a rifle, a shotgun from a gun store. And the fact that the state of Texas, because of a court case, they are now issuing licenses to people that are 18, 19, and 20 so they can get their license to carry handgun. So, you know, the question is, hey, if I'm 18, 19, or 20, can I get my LTC, my license to carry handgun, and bypass the, the background check system? And I think that you can. I don't think anything's wrong with that. And the fact that... Guess what? No one's talking about it. The media hasn't caught up with it. The ATF is not aware of this, you know, because I've called the ATF. They're like, ooh, mom's the word. They don't know. And so, hey, you're 18, 19, 20, got your LTC. Bam, you walk out the gun store with your LTC because that with that firearm because your LTC bypassed the background check system. Also, if you're 18, 19, 20 year old, 20 year olds, you can actually have your handgun in your vehicle in the parking lot of a school. It bypassed the 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 uh, the federal law. So, man, you just got to worry about the school and whether or not that elementary school, middle school, high school has a, you know, a rule, you know, basically the high school has a rule of whether or not you can actually have a handgun in your vehicle in the parking lot on the property of the school if you're a student. Because where where I went to school, when I was in high school, my campus was, a, it was an elementary school, middle school, and a high school. And as a high school student, you know, at that time, you know, we couldn't we could not have any weapons at all in our vehicle in the parking lot of the school. They they could suspend or expel expel us from the school. Um, right, Edwin? He's not okay. All right, so yeah, we're talking with Edwin Walker about that. We're gonna talk about Edwin Walker about more. But you know what? Also, you know, Zach. Yeah. Man, Zach. You know, you you actually had a qu- a question for Edwin also. What was that question? Oh yeah, I was listening to the uh, director Dettelbach hearings and director Dettelbach. Yeah, they asked him. They said, "Okay, so all these Americans that bought pistol braces, mm-hmm. can they simply detach the pistol brace and be fine?" What did he say? Uh, I believe he said something like, "Yeah, yeah, you can do that." And yeah. then they asked, "And him, he's right." So you're... And I'm gonna tell you why because I was listening to. We actually had training. From the ATF, we actually had a video, uh, actually a conference call with the ATF, and they actually gave us this training. They said, hey, if you take your pistol brace, you remove your pistol brace, leave just a buffer tube on, then yeah, that's a, it's a pistol. Well, well, then the uh, representative asked him, I said, okay, so you're not going to go around charging people with constructive intent or whatever it is. Uh, and he basically said no, but then the rules that the ATF put out did not exactly align with that. And so I'm wondering. Why do you say that? Uh, because they said basically you need to destroy your firearm or uh, render the brace inoperable so it cannot be reattached. On all, on the, and I, I'll be honest with you. On all the phone calls I've, I've been on with the ATF, they've said you know that if you remove the brace and separate the brace from the pistol – Mm-hmm. You know, totally separate area. Not it cannot be. You know, a totally separate area. What does that mean? Exactly. Michael? That's what does that's that mean? That's the thing. Does that mean different room room in the house? Does that mean different, different house? house? Does that mean different city? 
Mm. I I trust you, Mike, but I would like to ask the lawyer. Yeah, I hear this. you. Hey, you know, and that's why I, I even the ones that we have because we have a rental gun, right? Rental AR has a the brace on class it. gun. That's right. Uh-huh. And so I had to go inform to that. You know, but you I, have to, or you had. To. I had to. Oh, good. You know, as of May thirty first, I had to form to that sucker. So, uh-huh. you know, you know. So of course, all all the ones that we had, we had to form to them. As an FFL dealer, mm-hmm. got to form to that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, as an as an individual, you have to form one your stuff. You know. Uh, we come back from the break. We're going to talk with Edwin Walker. We're actually going to bring in Wes Verdell with Gun Owners of America also into the conversation. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. Hi, this is Stephen Wolfer, the Barefoot Defender. I get my global gun news from Michael Cargill at Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so just so you know, our call-in number is 512-643-5483. That is 512-643-5483. You have a question for Edwin Walker, the Texas U.S. Law Shield attorney? Give me a call. You have a question for Wes Verdell, Gun Owners of America? Give me a call at 512-643-5483. Let's go to Wes. Wes with Gun Owners of America. Wes, you know, what's going on with Texas Legislature? Because this year, I think we had the most anti-gun bills, you know, going through the legislature trying to get passed. You know, what actually happened? Hey, Michael, thanks for having me on. Can yes, you hear sir. me all right? I hear you all great, right. sir. Yeah. yeah, we had about 150 anti-gun bills filed, and there was a big push for these anti-gun bills to pass because of the Uvalde tragedy. Uh, unfortunately, uh, members of these families that have lost children from Uvalde have been uh, being used as pawns to push for, for legislation that wouldn't, wouldn't make a difference in what happened. And I understand wanting to do something, but, but these bills that they were pushing weren't the right way. So roughly 150 bills. Luckily, they all got stopped. We had around four or six bills that, that we ended up getting passed, which was surprising. We kind of expected just to break even this session. And, uh, but we did have some of our bills get through. So I would say all in all, the session went better than we were expecting it to. Yeah. Cause I was told, I actually met with a few legislature, a legislatures before the session began, you know, and they told me, Hey, Michael, this is not the year you want to bring a pro gun bill, you know, to try to get passed because this is a presidential election year after this session. And there's a chance that, you know, you know, well, some members are afraid that their seats can be flipped to the to the opposite side. So they didn't want to bring any pro gun bills forward. You know, they're not going to tell yeah. you that, but I'm going to tell you guys that, you know, that's the truth. I met with them. I sat with them. I talked with them, had these conversations and they're like, hey, this is not the year. Let's wait. Let's wait until, you know, until the next session and let's bring those bills forward and maybe we can get something done. But this session presidential year it's not going to happen because they're afraid that one they could lose their seat two that that bill that they bring forward that's a pro-gun bill can get flipped over to an anti-gun bill yes yeah and we had been hearing the same thing uh probably the best bill that ended up getting passed this year was our bill carried by representative matt Schaefer, and he's actually the one that that requested that bill to 
And anyway, so that bill was the Second Amendment Financial Privacy Act, and that stops the it's it's our base. It's our way of attempting to stop the credit card companies from reporting and tracking firearm purchases because we know that they're going to give them over to the federal government at some point. Right. And what the bill did was it requires that if they do code a purchase as a firearm purchase, that it requires the banks to send uh, notification to the card holder that they've done so. And so that should deter them from doing that. Nice. And that bill passed? It did pass. Awesome. It passed the House and the Senate. Uh you know, we owe Matt Schaefer a lot of gratitude for that one. And then on the senator side, I believe it was uh, Senator Schwartner that carried the bill, okay. uh, or sponsored the bill. And we sat in committee hearing, and and it, they were trying really hard to kill the bill, the banks were. And thankfully, like Senator Perry, who's my state senator, uh, brought up some great questions to the uh, bank lobbyist who was testifying against the bill. And he managed to point – they were trying to say that the banks weren't responsible for the coding mm-hmm. And then uh, Senator Perry are. pointed out, yeah, and Senator Perry pointed out, and, and I think Senator Shorten, too, said if you go to the FDIC website, it's right there saying that the acquiring bank is the one that's responsible for creating the merchant category, category code. Absolutely. So that that was a big win for us. And then, uh, yeah, we had a couple other small bills. Our SBW bill that we tried, which would take short-barreled weapons off the penal code. That bill died, unfortunately, in the House. That that bill would have been great to go along with our current lawsuit that we have. Okay. So, yeah. Any other and, bills uh, out there? Yeah, there was another one. So there's been some push pushback or push by larger communities, we'll say like San Antonio or places like that, that are wanting to require firearm owners to get insurance. Uh, and Carrie Isaac carried a bill, HB 3137. And that passed uh, the House and the Senate on its way to the governor, and that bill would stop local local legislature local uh, what's the word community uh, lo- government lo- right local yeah. government entities yeah from uh, from making legislation or making rules that require citizens of their district to to get the insurance, and it also. Uh, I'm driving down the road right now, so I don't have the language in front of me, but it also does another thing where it tells them that they can't create new new regulations on firearms. And this deals with uh, firearms and with air guns because that's getting some attention lately. So. Yeah, so we, we already have a preempted law, so I guess they must, they must have, like, strengthened it a little more or just reinforced it. Yeah, yeah, and I don't have the language in front of me, but... Okay. It's uh, there's been a big push lately for people saying, well, if you're going to own a firearm, you need to get insurance, uh, which we disagree with. And thankfully, Carrie's bill puts it in with that here in Texas. Nice. Okay. And then uh, we we killed the 21 in that bill. Yes. We had two legislators, Republicans, that had supported that on raising the age to 21. For really? Semi-auto. Who are they? That was uh, Representative Harless and Representative Holland. And uh, Harless is out of the Spring, Texas area, mm-hmm. and Holland is out of, uh, I think, north of Dallas. Okay, good to, to, good to know. Harless and Harlan. Oh, yeah. All right. Turncoats. Yeah. All right, got gotcha. you. All right, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, pretty frustrating. But uh, luckily, thanks to... Harless and Harless. Yeah. Yeah, so we're grateful, everybody that, you know, because we felt like, it was kind of quiet on the front of activism, and then uh, that bill popped up, and thankfully a ton of gun owners came out against it and called their legislators. And that's one of the things, too, that we pushed on this session was uh, 
the emails are great, like those autofill emails. You put your name in it and send it. Right. But the most effective thing that I think any constituent can do is show uh, up without, yeah, show up or call their call their legislator. That you know, I've sat in those offices while people are calling and heard the conversations, and and uh, I think the most effective thing that can happen is is our guys calling their legislators and tell them, hey, we either support or don't support this bill. Right. And it doesn't have to be super detailed to say, hey, I'm a constituent and I don't support this bill because really they're trying to, to measure where we stand at in the district if we vote for or against this and is it going to cost us an election. All right. And uh, and one of the things to think about, too, is, is you know, a lot of us are – we would consider ourselves subject matter experts on, on the gun issues. Uh, a lot of these legislators are trying to be subject matter experts on – on lots and lots of different things. Mm-hmm. And so they may not fully understand why a bill is good or bad without hearing from us and explaining it to them. So, nice. but that gets their attention. So we need, we need as much engagement next session too. And our plan is to, to file some more bills next session and already looking into what we're going to do for next session. Nice. I sure wish I can get um, you guys to add uh, central Texas Gunworks to your lawsuit against the federal government for the brace ban. So I can add the customers of central <laughs> Texas Gunworks, you know, <laughs> As yeah. part of that to it's, cover us, <laughs> isn't that? I don't know how much y'all have talked about it on the show, but but isn't that a a weird thing that it's it's basically it's covering GOA members and uh, and Texas state employees. The reason the Texas state employees is in there is because we co-filed it with uh, Ken Paxton's office, the mm-hmm. Attorney General, right? And so basically, it was two entities together. And so, therefore, that's, I had been getting that question a lot. Why are state employees on this? And, yeah. and it has to do with because we had had uh, Ken Paxton's office also yeah. co-filed. Well, they get a part-time yeah. job with the state of Texas, it looks like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm assuming you're a member of GOA. but uh, That's right. And that's something – there's something we're looking into also on uh, – because FPC's lawsuit, uh, I believe the judge said that it's anyone who is a member – for of FPC by the date that that injunction was issued. Initially, they said it went back to when the claim was filed or the complaint was filed, but now they're saying it was when it was issued. So we're trying to get clarification for GOA members. Does it apply up to uh, May 31st, or is it anyone that that gets a membership after that? So mm, yeah, it's after that, boy. So. Ching, 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 Yeah, we've. I mean, that day uh, we saw. That was on May 31st. We had a ton of people signing up. Maybe, maybe a bunch of them were renewing their memberships, but uh, but it was enough that our system was having a hard time handling everybody that was signing up on that day. So That's a good thing for GOA. That's nice. Can we still join GOA yeah. and be a part of that? Do what? Is there still time to join GOA and be uh, a part of that? Uh, I'm not sure. We're waiting on clarification. I know there's I know there's time to uh, to still join GOA. <laughs> Say there's always time to join GOA. Yep. Is, is that Edwin I hear on the line also? Nope, it's Zach. That's that's Zach in oh, the background hey, Zach, there. Hey, pretty good. Yeah, sorry, I heard y'all mention Edwin earlier. He's a great lawyer with yeah, Walker and yeah, Taylor. Ed, so. Yeah, Edwin's still here. He's still with us. Uh, we're gonna come yeah, back. Yeah, thanks for the shout out, Wes. Yeah, and I like yeah, to say no um uh Wes and and GOA's work in the legislative session was um it was exemplary. Uh, appreciate that. The uh, I would I would say the same thing about y'all. So <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. Yeah, the mutual appreciation. Walker and Taylor. Yeah, I'd say Walker it's, and Taylor's input helped me out quite a bit this session. So. It's not if, if it wasn't for GOA and Texas, you know, U.S. Law Shill and and the Walker uh, Taylor Law Firm. I'm telling you right now, 
uh, the state of Texas would be totally lost, especially in doing the legislative session without their guidance, their uh, without their leadership, especially, you know, the Walker Taylor law firm, you know, have definitely been there. They've shown up. They've been there. Uh, they've given guidance to different different leaders. And then GOA grabs the members and say, hey, show up, testify, you know, you know, be there, you know, chime in, you know, let your voice be heard. Call your representative. Uh, or these two groups, GOA, Texas U.S. Law Shield, Walker Taylor Law Firm, uh, the groups that you want to follow and see what's going on. And, you know, and, and Texas Law Shield goes by another name. They go by name of the Armed Attorneys. Check them out on YouTube as well. We come back from the break and I talk about this is more. This is Michael Cargill and you are listening to Come and Talk It. This is Coley on the War, and you're listening to Come and Talk It with Michael Cargill. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now here's Michael Cargill. All right, so Wes Fredell, any other upcoming events of GOA? You guys got anything coming up? No, we, we do have something coming up in October. October. Uh, it's going to be in yeah, over at the Paraclete. But, you know, it was great to get to do a bunch of events with you this session. The, uh, I had known of you for a while, but but getting to, to actually meet you and hang out with you, I appreciate everything that you do, too, especially with your Fifth Circuit win. And then uh, you getting to come out whenever uh, Ted Nugent came to the Capitol. Yes. That was uh, that was pretty pretty exciting. So. Oh, that was awesome. I tell you, Ted Nugent at the Texas State Capitol. Man, yeah, that's awesome. he uh, he does not mince words. No, he does not. <laughs> he does not play it. He does not play around at all. Yeah, yeah, all yeah. Right. Now that's that's about it for the updates. Just now it's going to be starting to look at races that are coming up, where we're going to endorse at, and uh, and then also it's going to be the the uh, getting bills ready for next session, and we'll be ahead of the game this time. I came in kind of late this last time, so. That's all right. Yeah, this session was not the session of getting any pro-gun bills passed. So next session is the session. You know, this one is the presidential, you know, election year. You kind of want to lay back and chill a little bit. Next one is the governor's race. And so, yeah, we're good to go there. Yeah. All right. Awesome. All right. Thank you, Wes. I appreciate you taking your time out of your Sunday to give us an update on what's going on in in Texas with GOA. Same here. Yes, sir. Have a good day. Thanks. Yes, sir. You too. All right. We're going to go back to Edwin Walker. Principal attorney with Texas U.S. Law Shill, also with Walker Taylor in Law. And Edwin, man, I tell you, Edwin, you know, what about this Texas bill uh, one with armed guards at every school? What are your thoughts on that? Um, well, I, I wanted to bring that up when we were talking about the Uvalde children. Um, <clears throat> is that uh, just to show you the utter disingenuousness, the utter hypocrisy and and ghoulishness of the anti-gun people, the way that they, you know, stood on the bodies of those poor Mm. murdered children in Uvalde to try to restrict the rights of millions of lawful 18, 19, 20-year-olds to possess semi-automatic rifles, um, they all so there was a gun there was a school safety bill house bill 3 it has mm-hmm. passed it'll be signed by the governor uh, it provides for many things it provides for 
uh, financial resources of school. It provides for auditing requirements of school safety. These are things that actually have to do with school safety. These are things that actually will prevent a bad guy from entering a school uh, intent on murdering children. And all of almost all the anti-gun uh, Democrats voted against it. Mm. They were all behind raising the age from 18, 20, something that, that would have a, that would possibly have an effect on infinitesimal amounts of individuals. Uh, they were all behind, but they would not support the uh, school safety bill that did pass. Mm. It's infuriating. And, and like I told your listeners, if you really want to see something particularly infuriating, if you want to get your blood boiling uh, back at the end of May, uh, the anti-gun people, all of the anti-gun organizations, everybody from Giffords to every town and their legislative uh, uh, cohorts, uh, Senator Gutierrez and Representative Goodwin, um, who is a nitwit, um, <laughs> they actually held a press conference. They actually held a press conference in the Capitol's press conference room. And so therefore, it was recorded. It is on the Texas legislative website uh, under the video tabs. Uh, go watch that. And, and as a as a pro gun individual, your blood will boil at the just the, the lies, the half truths, uh, the 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 hypocrisy, the demagoguery. It's just unbelievable. And so uh, and so, I was, was very happy to see the school safety bill passed very happy to see that the raise the age bill didn't pass and one other bill that did pass with regard and it does it does affect schools is that um uh, they passed a uh, house bill 1760 which has been a cause of mine that i've been behind for many many years and that is they're finally adding some limits to the definition of what is and is not considered an educational institution and what is and is considered a uh, school-sponsored activity. And so these are very good because I'm sure uh, some of your listeners may remember, uh, we had a huge to-do uh, way back in 2015 whenever, uh, whenever they passed the, the, you know, whenever they amended for, uh, Government Code 411-209 that said that uh, governments could be penalized for excluding license holders from their premises uh, museums, libraries, zoos, uh, they all immediately ran for cover under uh, educational institution by saying, oh, we can still prohibit caring because we're an educational institution. And this finally will put an end to that. Mm. So that is coming to an end. And, uh, you know, the, the AG's office, they have been very ineffective in enforcing that. Mm. I don't in fact, they even took their 30-06 list, it used to be called the 30-06 list, off the website. I wow. can't find it anywhere. Wow. Um, so they took that list off. But one of the ones that I personally, one of the, one of the government properties I personally went after uh, was the Fort Bend County Library System, mm -hmm. where they have about 13 branches. And in front of each branch, they have posted a gigantic sign that says, you are committing a felony, a violation of 4603 if you carry on these premises because this is an educational institution. And uh, I filed a notice letter against them. They wrote back this huge brief about how they get money from the Department of Education. Therefore, they're an educational institution. 
that is out the window. And I'm telling you, Fort Bend County Libraries, I'm coming after you. Yeah, September 1st, I will be recontacting the Texas Attorney General's office to have those signs removed immediately. Yeah, we don't care if they're trying to pimp things out or not. <laughs> Accepting money for whoever they want to accept money from, you know, the law is the yes. law. But don't call yourself an educational institution. That's right. And that's Oh and yeah, no, Fort Bend Fort Bend County even went so far that what bolstered their claim is that as soon as that law passed, they went to the county commissioners and had the county commissioners issue a proclamation mm. that said that Fort Bend County libraries are hereby declared to be educational institutions. Wow. And therefore they can exclude. So they even got county government involved. And so no, they're they're corrupt. They're the whole thing is corrupt. Edwin, did you know that there has never been a school shooting at a school that has armed their teachers and posted signs outside saying as such? Well, it certainly makes sense. I mean, <laughs> why would you? Why would a? Why would a murderous psychopath want to risk that and kill an innocent? And also, school shootings. Um, you know, the, the, a survey recently came out. Uh, that that we've been doing some press about that we've been asked about a survey by the Rand Corporation that said that twenty percent of teachers believe that it would be a good thing to arm teachers fifty four percent of teachers think it'll be a bad thing uh, but that um, only five percent of the teachers thought that school shootings were the number one safety issue with regard to schools yeah. and I think this is because I mean just the numbers. If you look at the numbers in which I, I did some uh, what you know my law partner Richard likes to call napkin math, <laughs> you do a little napkin math to it, and in the United States of America, the, these figures are astounding. If you think about, it. if you just rationally, you know, and of course that's not to diminish people who have been killed in school shootings. We certainly feel for them, but if you look at this rationally, there are forty nine and a half million students K through twelve in the United States who go to school an average of 180 school days per year. So if you multiply that out, that is 8.91 billion instances where a child goes to school, stays in school, and safely returns home from school and is not a victim of a school shooting. Okay. <laughs> 8.9 billion instances per year that, that happens versus, you know, versus the, the, the numbers of, of students who are shot, which are, uh, which actually amount to a, uh, you know, the, the statistical, just a, a, a real, a, 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 such an infinitesimal statistical probability. So, uh, you know, you're, I, I looked it up, and I think there are more deaths and injuries from school bus accidents uh, per year than there are from school shootings. Wow. All right. And then Edwin, so yeah. it's just no, it's just simply that sensationalist, and it feeds into it 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 it, 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 it attacks our most base fear, which is something happening to children. And the anti-gun folks are more than happy to exploit that to push their anti-gun agendas. All right. We come back from the break. Got a couple more bills. We're going to ask Edwin Walker about. Uh, we're going to talk about the HB 313137 relating to prohibit, prohib, prohibited local regulation with respect to a firearm or air gun. Going to talk about that more. We come back from the break. This is Michael Cargill, and you are listening to Come and Talk It. 
Yo, what's going on, guys? It's Chat Jones here, and I get my gun news from Michael Cargill on Come and Talk It. Welcome back to Come and Talk It. And now, here's Michael Cargill. All right, so we're talking with Evan Walker, a principal attorney with Texas U.S. Law Show. We'll talk about some current uh, bills that have actually passed the Texas legislature. And so, Edwin, I want to ask you about the House Bill 3137. What's that all about? House Bill 3137. Well, House Bill 3137 really, as a practical matter, can really be considered a uh, don't California my Texas bill. <laughs> Uh, because that's really where they took inspiration from, is that they saw how the state of California, um, and really the state of Illinois is very bad about this as well, uh, that uh, those states have virtually no preemption. Um, well, first of all, they have very bad state laws with regard to guns, but then they also encourage their municipalities to file even more restrictive. And of course, municipalities are where a lot of wackos get elected um and uh and those wackos are more than happy to impose bizarre restrictions on firearms possession things like uh that you have to register all your firearms with the local police mm. uh you you have to uh, keep the guns in your house unloaded you have to keep them locked away and these laws are very prevalent in your more radical areas of California like San Jose and San Francisco and uh, Los Angeles uh, a lot of the, a lot of Chicago and a lot of its suburbs have similar restrictions, and so this law was basically a law that was designed to strengthen uh, the Texas preemption statute, which of course says that municipalities, uh, it, it it previously said you're not allowed to regulate these areas, you can regulate these er these other areas, and cities were using the kind of, of, of vacancy or gap between those two. To say, well, if the state didn't tell us we couldn't regulate, then we're, we're gonna. And so, in order to prevent things like requiring that all gun owners have liability insurance, okay, we're not talking about, you know, I know a lot of people say that Texas Law Shield is an insurance. It's not, it's legal services. Uh, insurance is something that provides indemnification, not representation, right. uh, or in addition to representation. So, uh, so if you had Texas have Texas Law Shield, that's not the kind of quote unquote insurance we're talking about. Uh, they're saying you know a lot of municipalities in California, um, and you know in order to prevent that here in Texas, we're saying that you had to have liability insurance, just like you have to have liability insurance on your automobile. You have to have liability insurance on your firearm, which of course is uh, financially uh, burdensome. It's uh, uh, legally burdensome in that you, you know, the insurance companies are going to use that to require you to provide a list of your firearms and who's allowed to possess them. And it's just very intrusive. And so Do you think uh, the criminals this, this, are going to uh, all this, get insurance? Um, yeah, the same ones that are going to stop buying guns out of the back, stolen guns out of the backs of uh, trunks of cars. And comply with, um, you know, uh, getting rid of the quote-unquote gun show loophole. Uh, yeah, they're all going to be that. That Venn diagram is the same circle. So Definitely. yeah, of course they're going to do that. Yeah. Come on, man. Um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, that so that that is a very 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 helpful bill. And basically, it says that 
municipalities like the city of Austin, like the city of Austin, like San Antonio, uh, they are not going to be able to pass any of these bizarre, wacky, uh, you know, some anti-gun think, you know, Gifford's wish list uh, of gun restrictions. Um, So it's a very helpful bill. And, uh, you know, and, and counties as well, just to show you, just to show you how fast things can change, um, 10 years ago, Harris County was every countywide office in Harris County was held by a Republican, every one. Uh, now, every single countywide office in Harris County is held by a Democrat, every one. And in fact, uh, the Harris County commissioners may, are made up by five, of five members, four commissioners, one county judge. There's one Republican left on the Harris County uh, commissioner's court. And so it just goes to show you how quickly things can change um, and how quickly, a, uh, uh, you know, if you get a concentration of power in the hands of the Democrats, uh, they're going to try to, they're going to, they're going to go after your guns. And the state of Texas is saying, look, we see this, we've seen it play out in other anti-gun states and they put their foot down and say, we're not going to allow this to happen in Texas. Yeah. You know, you know, Edwin, one bill I'm glad did not pass, uh, and that's Senate Bill uh, 23. That's the one where uh, relating to the increase in the minimum term of imprisonment and changing the eligibility for community supervision and parole for certain felons, uh, basically, you know, given a mandatory, you know, sentence for a gun crime. Oh, yes, uh, very much so. And, that, and the thing about it is, is that um, I believe that uh, the Senate tried to bring that back as a legislative priority for any special session that's called. So we need to watch out for that to see if there are going to be any more special sessions. That's that's dangerous because, uh, you know, if you defend yourself and use a gun to defend yourself and it find out that, hey, guess what? Maybe you're wrong. That can come back and hurt you. Oh, it's very dangerous uh, because the thing about it is, is that DAs, prosecutors by and large, they are many times very unsympathetic Mm. to self-defense claims. And so unless you find yourself in a circumstance where you are given, you are in a situation where you're given the presumption, uh, so pretty much in your car, in your house, you are, you know, you you do have that kind of uh, uh, statutory safety net of the castle doctrine. However, most situations that of course, that we see are individual conflicts that uh, occur when people are not in their house, they're not in their car, they're out on the street, uh, they get accosted, either assaulted or you know maybe robbed. But of course, the person's going to go, "I'm going to run around them." They get accosted, they fight back, and the DAs say, "Well, this is an you know this is an aggravated assault." And you're, you know, you don't get the, you don't get a legal presumption for, you know, for for protecting yourself against an aggravated assault. Mm. And so therefore your, your self-defense claims are limited. And so what this would do is it would add basically a terrible hammer to the DA's office, uh, the DA's toolbox where they would be able to lord over people who had lawfully engaged in self-defense claims. Uh, they would be able to scare these people, you know, scare these people to death by saying, look, according to this law, if we go to trial and you lose, mm. you don't get probation. You go to prison um, and, you know, they they are going to they would absolutely use that law to bully 
otherwise lawful self-defense, people engaged in lawful self-defense into uh, taking plea bargains. And it, and it would work in injustice. It would ultimately work in injustice. Right. Because many times, if you do go to trial on, say, an aggravated assault case, uh, let's say your your jury just doesn't find your guy credible or whatever happens, uh, the judge still has the option to place them on probation. Thus, while they still wind up convicted, it does mitigate the type of punishment. Uh, but when the punishment is a mandatory term in prison and the judge is statutorily prohibited from giving a deferred education or a probation, uh, then that is going, the, the DAs would absolutely have a field day going after self-defense cases with that tool. All right, Edwin, real quick in about a minute or so, can you tell me, uh, you know, 18 to 20 year olds can get their Texas LTC. How does that affect their campus carry ability? Well, they have the ability to campus carry. They just have to keep it concealed. Uh, they have to keep their weapon concealed, stay out of uh, prohibited areas, areas that are marked with 30-06 signs, and they have the same right to carry just as any other LTC holder. Uh, but it is, you know, that 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 is really, that should be an impetus for those individuals to go get their LTC, because otherwise, if they don't, uh, then they do not have the protections that that LTC offers. Yeah. So go out and get them in your class, Mike. Absolutely. Wow. Thank you, sir. I appreciate you. I appreciate Texas U.S. Law Show. I appreciate uh, Walker Taylor Law Firm. And, and I, I appreciate the fact that, you know, Texas Law Show is not a it's not insurance. It's prepaid legal. So that way you, you want to hire attorneys that actually are good at this stuff that are actually, you know, uh, able to defend you. You don't want to just have insurance where you get the money and you have to go out and look for and find your attorney. I want a, a toll-free number where I can call my attorney and say, hey, something just happened right now. I need help right now. I need to talk to an attorney right now. That's what you need. And with that, you need Texas U.S. Law Shield. You know, I'll tell you guys, you know, last month, May, of two, uh, May 18th, the anti-gun group sent out a massive email, a massive email targeting the Cargill v. Garling lawsuit. They sent out an email saying that, hey, they're demanding, they're begging the executive order, making bump stocks illegal. They said it's in jeopardy. And after being struck down by a federal appeals court and unless Congress acts, they want the Supreme you know, they, they think the Supreme Court will likely make the final decision on whether to overturn the life-saving reform is what they're calling it. So they're begging Congress, they're begging the president to come up with an executive order, they're begging Congress to create a bill. Listen, folks, you got to pay attention and look at what's going on, because if we don't pay attention, you know, we need to make sure that we're watching Congress, you're watching Senate, you're watching the House, you're watching the president, because we don't want an executive order, we don't want a law, we don't want a bill that's going to say the ATF can create law. They can't create law. ATF can't do that. Only Congress does that. Congress has the right to write a bill and create a law. So watch your elected officials, contact them, talk to them, keep them in your uh, uh, keep them in your contacts there and let them know we don't want that stuff to pass. As always, more guns equals less crime. You go out there and you buy yourself a gun. This is Michael Cargill, and you've been listening to Come and Talking. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.